and welcome to the Chris Yeh Podcast. I am Mental Samurai, Chris Yeh. I'm here with the Mental Samurai Episode 7 Recap. I'm recording it today because I actually ended up taking a red-eye flight. I was trying to get to New York after Mental Samurai aired to give a speech today. But as it turns out, my plane had a malfunctioning fuel pump. I had to put down in Salt Lake City, and I wasn't able to make it to New York at all. So instead of being in New York giving a speech, I'm back home trying to rest up after getting zero sleep last night. But my loss is your gain. It's my opportunity to go ahead and recap last night's episode of Mental Samurai. First up was Nick Bremner. Nick was an accountant who works for a cheesemaker, and he lives at home with his mom. Proud mama's boy, but he said that if he won on Mental Samurai, maybe that would help him move out sooner. A couple of interesting things about Nick's run. First of all, he got the first question. He said, I got the first one. I've heard this as a consistent theme. People are really afraid of going out on the first question. We'll get back to that a little more later on. The other thing that was interesting to me was that instead of saying lock it in, Nick was actually saying lock it down. And I'm wondering if that was an intentional choice or not. Something that I would love to ask him if I get a chance to interview him. But I thought overall, Nick was very excitable, very energetic. Uh, he did a fairly good job, but then he was rushing. And on a one of those memory questions, the dude, where are you question, he was thinking about it and he just rushed a little bit and he forgot about the you and dude. And as you note, he said, as soon as I said it, Rob, it was the memory tower and it took him down. Oh, well. Next up was Matthew Schultz, who's a pastor. I call him the handsome pastor because he looked to me like a cross between Tom Brady and Ty Burrell, really a man of the cloth, but with great, great cheekbones. Uh, he was going through with great pace and what I can only describe as a very peaceful, holy presence, extremely calm, extremely fast. He ended up, even though he had an incredibly impressive run, he was tripped up by pop culture. He did not know who Jessica Beale was, and he said, I'm sorry, Jessica. And at my Mental Samurai Watch Party, I actually commented, isn't this ironic? The pastor is not a Seventh Heaven fan. Third up was Latanya Robinson, third grade teacher. The first thing I said when I saw her was, wow, she has awesome hair, and Rob Lowe agreed. Uh, that hair did get in the way a little bit as Ava was swinging her around, but overall, her demeanor was very calm and pedagogical. I would characterize it as an efficient performance and very on-brand for a teacher when she was doing the question around the day of the month of Halloween and the day of the month of Valentine's Day, she actually added it like you would in the Common Core. 31 plus 10 is 41, plus 4 is 45. At first, I thought she was going to get it wrong. I'm like, how can a teacher think that Valentine's Day is on February 10th? But no, she was just adding it up, demonstrating the Common Core to her third graders. But the Waterloo she ran into was the gridlock word search, where she was looking for the names of musical instruments in that grid of letters. And she just could not get flute. Now this is one of those things that is really tough about this kind of competition. Because of the time pressure, it really becomes difficult to concentrate. And I could see her mind was thrashing a bit as she was going through, she was saying, okay, uh, what can I guess? Is it a saxophone? Is it a harmonica? And A, 
those things make no sense. And B, that's not the way to look for words in one of those grids of letters. What you should have done is slow down, take a deep breath, and go systematically. First across, then down. Because if you do that, you definitely have time to get it. It may take you slightly longer to go systematically, but she definitely would have seen flute or lute. Curious whether that would have been acceptable as an answer. And she probably could have made it through. At least she did get it in the end. The crowd was really happy. She saw flute. But, of course, she had taken up too much time. And as a result, even though she didn't get any questions wrong, she ran out of time. But uh, a good run as a whole. Her children could definitely be proud of her. So I was glad to see it. And again, fantastic hair. Now, next up, towards the middle of the episode, was my run. I was very curious about this because even though I knew how I did, I didn't know how it would look on television. I didn't know which elements of my interviews they would use. As it turns out, they focused on Chris Yeh as an author from Palo Alto, California. And what they did is they really leaned on the boy genius child prodigy side of things. And this is absolutely true. Uh, I, I, in fact, was somebody who was bored in school, in regular school, which is why I ended up going to a gifted school. And as a result, I, at the gifted school, I actually did have the nickname of Encyclopedia. Those are all true stories and true facts. So uh, I do think that in the end, they chose stuff that was true to my character. Uh, I did think that I did a good job, relatively speaking, of being very on brand. Uh, in the videos, you could see I was carefully doing the product placement of my books so that they could see it as I was walking along. Hopefully there's a little spike in sales. You never know. And when Rob and I were talking up in Ava, I said, well, you know, I'm really focused on pattern matching and seeing patterns here in the show, but also as an author and as an investor. So even though we're not allowed to shill or sell ourselves, I give myself credit for getting some good on-brand messaging in place. Now, as I also mentioned, and they definitely highlighted during the course of the footage that they used, I don't like roller coasters. I don't like going on roller coasters. I don't voluntarily go on them. I didn't like the idea of getting to Ava. That was actually a downside for me. There are plenty of people who said, wow, that's so great. Clay, the astronaut, you may recall, was saying, wow, I really wanted to go on it again. I wish I'd been able to do it more. And that's not my attitude at all. My attitude was I wish we were just doing Jeopardy and we were just standing there like James Holzhauer making millions of dollars. But you know what? We got to play the hand we're dealt. I was definitely not enjoying the ride. The other thing I would say is that I'm critiquing my performance after the fact. Now, I've previewed and highlighted this in some of the previous podcasts. Really, as I was going through my run, I made a conscious effort to focus on the dramatic. In that tension between drama and all business, I was definitely going far more for drama. Although, as it turns out, I didn't remember this. Looking back, there were elements of the fast and fun strategy as well in the sense that I was definitely using the time while Ava was moving me around to make uh, quick comments, to cheer, to do various things to get the crowd into it. And as you saw by the end, the crowd was definitely very into it. And that, I thought, was a big part of what made my run successful. But critiquing me on the drama side 
while I think it was the right decision to go dramatic, I think it made for an entertaining run, there were things I did that were just inefficient. So, for example, when we were sequencing bull, lion, and wolf, there's no way to say, well, of course, alphabetically, it's A to Z. Well, that's information that everyone knows. Who doesn't know that fact? Why did I waste three or four seconds saying that? Uh, on Madonna, J-Lo, and Lady Gaga, I said, okay, first it's Madonna, then it's J-Lo, then it's Lady Gaga. Someone else during this day actually said that and just locked it in. I repeated it again, again, consuming a couple of seconds. Now, there were other ones where I feel like it wasn't for drama purposes. It was for making sure that I didn't rush. And we'll see examples of people rushing. So, for example, we saw Nick Bremner rush later on in the episode. We'll see folks like uh, the, the the Marine Adam Thomas rush a little bit, and I was determined not to rush and mess things up. So on the roller coaster question, uh, I was very careful to double check the number of letters to make sure it worked out. On the mirror mirror question, I was taking my time to make sure that I got it right because it's very easy to get those wrong. And then fortunately enough for me, there were a couple of easy questions at the end. The data storage question, the explanation was probably unnecessary, but at that point I knew I had plenty of time. And then of course the Canada flag question, which the people at my party was like, oh my God, that's just so easy. But that did allow me to get through the round of 12 questions. Uh, it was great basking in the applause of the crowd. You may have noticed a lot of times as I was trying to recenter or refocus myself, I would take a deep breath and blow out through the mouth. It's sort of the, the go-to move I seem to be using in order to, to make it through. And then from there, it was on to the circle of samurai. And as Rob Lowe put it, the circle of samurai actually went pretty effortlessly. The questions were relatively straightforward. The only one which was questionable at all was the final question because it was one of those puzzle ones. And knowing that I didn't need to save time for anything, knowing that there was no need to keep any additional time on the clock, I let it run down, both to be absolutely certain that I got it right and also because, hey, I might as well milk the moment. And then, of course, uh, I was through and I had actually become a mental samurai and won the money. And you may have noticed that one of the things I loved the most about being there that day was actually playing to the crowd, hearing people chanting my name, asking them to raise the roof, trying to get people really pumped up. And I think maybe, again, maybe I'm deceiving myself, but I feel like the crowd was actually more pumped, more excited by the end of that run than a lot of runs because a uh, the t the day that I went it had actually been a long time people had not actually gotten to see many people get through to the mental samurai round and b because I took extra time extra effort extra vocalization to play to the crowd and get the audience really worked into it. And so you may have seen throughout, there were a lot of reaction shots, a lot of facial expressions, and a lot of playing to the audience. And in the end, even though I did focus on the dramatic side over the all business side, I ended up being able to have my cake and eat it too, because I was able to get all the way through and I was able to get the performance I wanted out there. Now, the other thing that was really fun about last night is, in addition to actually being part of the show, I actually had my mental samurai watch party here in Palo Alto. So I had about 
I would guess 50 or 60 people or so come and we borrowed one of my friend's offices. We set up a bunch of televisions and people sat around. We had food, we had drinks, wine, cider, beer, that sort of thing. People brought their families and we basically watched the show and I would provide commentary as the show was running. And then of course, during my run, I was just focused on listening and hearing what people had to say. And it was a lot of fun. If you check out my Twitter timeline, that's Chris Ye, C-H-R-I-S-Y-E-H, you'll see a number of retweets and, and tweets and the like of people who took video footage or images. I want to give a special shout out to my friend Tim Taylor, who was very careful. He definitely wanted to capture the video and have it out there. But, of course, I also want to shout out Rob Castaneda, who is our host over at Service Rocket in Palo Alto. And it was just a phenomenal experience. The way I put it, it, I recently went to Tim Taylor's 50th birthday party, and I told him, you got to enjoy this, because usually you have to be dead to have a crowd of people together really appreciating you. And in this case, I got a chance to have that happen simply by going on a television show. So it was fantastic. People were really excited. People were really pumped. And it was definitely an awesome experience. It was great being there in Burbank shooting it, but then also great to relive it and relive it with friends and family. So big thanks to my family as well for putting up with all this and for helping me organize everything. Now, enough of me. Next up was Kenyatta Smith, the firefighter. Very strong fashion sense. He had the bow tie in the interview. And he illustrated one of the principles I, I, illust- I mentioned to my crowd, which is there are two ways to guarantee you end up on the air. One is to make it through all 12 questions because then you obviously, obviously have to make it to the air because you're going to be in the season finale. And the other is to fail so spectacularly that it makes for great television and they can't help themselves but put it in. And... Kenyatta is a really smart guy. I've gotten to know him a little bit over Facebook. I hope we get a chance to talk with him on the interview. And it was just a case of the particular question. He just didn't see it. And as the time ticked off the clock, it became harder and harder for him to try to come up with the answer. And basically it was, this is the name. It was a word scramble. This is the name of a beloved television show. And it said Finders. And of course, the answer is friends. The letters are actually pretty close, as is, right? It's pretty astonishing. But he wasn't able to get it. He was looking at it and thinking to himself, ER, what is this? And at one point, he said, come on, Yada, you know this. He's trying to psych himself up. But I want to give him credit. Once he decided, you know what? I'm not going to be able to make it. I've taken up enough time. There's no way I can finish. There's no way I can make it on the show through path one which is to say getting all 12 right. Uh, He did a great job of making the lemonade out of the lemons. And so he said, you know what? Durfins, lock it in. And I got a big laugh from the crowd, a big laugh from Rob Lowe. And it allowed him to show that, you know, he had a sense of humor about the whole thing. So I thought that was really great strategy in the moment. And it did end up getting him on the air. So you know what? The strategy worked. The second to last competitor was Roz Paul, who's 74. She found her boyfriend, Sonny Ronnie, on J-Date. Great name, Sonny Ronnie, two first names. Uh, I thought that they did a great job with the editing throughout to demonstrate the beautiful, loving, supportive relationship that they had. I only hope that I'm half that awesome when I'm 74 years old. Uh, Roz did a phenomenal job going through. She was totally focused and 
really quite formal about it. Every time she answered a question, she said, the answer is, and then she gave the answer and she locked it in. And despite the fact that she was very formal about this, she was very focused, good pace. One of the things that's harder about this run in order to tell what was going on, although it actually worked in her favor in producing drama, is she was not a talk it out kind of person. Remember, the producers told people, talk it out, think out loud. She was not a think out loud kind of person. She was a get the answer in my head and then just say the answer. So oftentimes there'd be the clue and she'd just be staring. And then she would say, the answer is blank and lock it in. And what that did was this produced this sort of tension, as you're saying, is she going to get it if she isn't? And there were a bunch of questions she got where it was super impressive. For example, the fact that she knew Pearl Jam right away, the fact that she did the mind field, one of those memory ones, and nailed it. And she ended up going out on a question about the Summer Olympics, putting in order China, which is Beijing, London, and Rio. And I don't mind telling you that I probably would have missed that too. I was thinking to myself that London was before Beijing. Now, in retrospect, it's obvious Beijing was 2008, London is 2012, Rio is 2016. But it's hard to remember this kind of stuff in the moment. And it is the kind of question where I think if I were on stage at that moment, I probably would have gotten it wrong. But again, great run by Roz, who I think was the oldest competitor to go, certainly gave a great performance, at, won the master's level uh, for people 50 and over, or 60 and over, or 70 and over going through. And again, I do think that the performance of people like Roz and Dr. Ken, Ken Franklin, demonstrates that you know you can be in your 60s or 70s and still be sharp, still have the reflexes, still be able to compete. So very impressive run by Roz, as well as Dr. Ken. Our final contestant of the night was Adam Thomas, a Marine Corps intelligence officer. It's interesting how many Marine Corps intelligence officers we have on this show, right? Because as you remember, Matt Potts is a Marine Corps intelligence officer. Adam Thomas is a Marine, former Marine Corps intelligence officer. His wife is a Marine Corps intelligence officer. And the answer here is that apparently Marine Corps, officer, Marine Corps intelligence officers are very intelligent. Who would have thought, right? Uh, pretty obvious, but they, they did a, a fantastic job. So, a couple of key notes about Adam Thomas. He and his wife met when they deployed in Iraq, as Rob Lowe said. Uh, isn't that the most romantic place? Uh, I thought that Adam, who is now a stay-at-home dad, despite the sleep deprivation of taking care of two young kids under the age of four, was very strong in his run. Uh, he was doing quick lock-ins, very efficient and then he got lucky with a couple of questions, like the question where there was a video clip of the Blue Angels, and it asked, is it Army, Air Force, or Navy? And, of course, any Marine's going to know, it's the Blue Angels, it's the Navy. Uh, the Daytona 500 question, one thing I thought was interesting is I think that they have the wrong picture, because the Daytona 500 is a stock car race, and they showed Indy cars, and I think they were going the wrong way around the track, too. So it's just funny sometimes. Uh, sometimes the question producers aren't always completely on the ball. He even got through a spinner's question. Those spinner's questions, you know, are relatively difficult, although this one I did get pretty quickly. But it was the speed that tripped him up. He needed to add together the number of minutes in an hour and the number of hours in two days. And he said it. 60 plus 48 is 104. Lock it in. And he locked it in, even though he knew he added them up wrong. He knew the instant he locked it in. He even said it. If you heard it, he said, too fast. He realized 
He was going too fast. And in fact, there was no need for him to rush. He had gone on a tremendous pace. He had plenty of time. He easily could have taken the time just to just think it out and double check. And that is where I sort of come back around to my run and some of the things I did with like the roller coaster or with some of the questions where I really took the time to just double check and make sure. The thing about Mental Samurai is you have to be perfect. And you don't get any bonus points for finishing faster. Yeah, you get some more time on the clock for the Circle of Samurai. But as you saw, it really wasn't necessary to have all that time. And so the real strategy should be you want to play fast. You want to be efficient. You want to do all these things. But you also want to maintain a good pace so that you don't make the dumb mistake, the thing that just you know the answer, but you go ahead and you say the wrong thing anyways. So again, great episode. I'm biased, of course, but great episode, great set of competitors. I will try to reach out to some of them, and I will also reach out to some of our previous guests like Joey Gutman and talk about doing an interview of me as a Mental Samurai contestant. So that was week seven of Mental Samurai. We've got two more weeks of competition, week eight and week nine, before the season finale on May 21st, in which you can watch me, among others, compete for that $250,000 grand prize. So I hope you've enjoyed this Mental Samurai recap. As always, if you did, please share it with your friends, share it on social media, like and subscribe wherever you happen to be listening to podcasts. Follow me on Twitter, Chris Yeh, C-H-R-I-S-Y-E-H. I'm pretty much Chris Yeh on social media everywhere. And I look forward to joining you guys again for further interviews and for Mental Samurai Episode 8.